War Room, the Hockey Podcast. We are back in the saddle. Woohoo! How long's it been? A year ish. Year ish. Yeah. Uh, a lot has happened in the year. <laughs> we've we've moved one, two, three, four. We've moved five different times between in the three year. of us in a year. In a year. Yeah. Um. Five well, times. Five times. So we, Owen, Owen moved to... Owen moved here to Colorado. You moved to Colorado. Oh, more than that. Uh, I moved to Colorado. We moved Oh, do you, if apartment. you count you and mom. So you and mom moved back to Colorado. Then and the you apartment. And then you and mom moved into the apartment. And then moved And then back. you came up. You helped us. Owen and I and Carly and Bennett, we all moved... Back to Colorado, right? To um, our first stop. Right. We'll, we'll save addresses and locations, but um, to our first spot where we in September, and then we moved, and then Carly and I and Bennett moved moved to your house to our new house um, in March. And That's six altogether. If you count moving to our apartment and back and then moving Owen out of his place in Kelowna, you guys out of Summerland, six or maybe seven. Anyway. Six altogether. So the news, I guess, would be that we are back in Colorado. <laughs> Finally back. We're back in Colorado. Yep. Uh, back in the lovely CO. Um, I enjoyed my time in BC. Oh, I, yeah. Let me just say that. It There's a lot, of, a lot of things that you can say. Um about certain things and and everything like that but from a, a free reframing the mindset type of mentality um i enjoyed my time in bc yep um, it was great it's where bennett was born um so we officially started a family it uh, we got married in alberta but um nonetheless being in canada uh, is where we started our life together um we had uh, i had great and again, part of the reframing of the of the mindset, I had a great three three or so years at the fire department. Right. Um, odd jobs here and there. I enjoyed my time coaching with Okanagan. Yep. Um, we had a lot of access to hockey between Penticton and Kelowna. And a lot we, of access between the BCHL and WHL and, and all that stuff. We saw a lot of hockey. Went yeah. to the showcase. I would have loved to have been able to go to another showcase. Yes. Um, one of the kids I coached just went first overall yeah. in the WHL draft. He's a Portland guy? Uh, Spokane. Spokane. So he's from Washington. He's from, if I remember correctly, he's from the Wenatchee area. Oh, okay. okay. He moved, He was going to Rink Academy with Aginla. Um, gotcha. I and was I was his head coach for the WHL prospect showcase, prospect showcase. Um, yep. in Penticton. Um, so um, I was his his coach. Um, he for that week and a half or so he didn't have any other coach We're talking so about i was Brody his, gillespie correct Brody gillespie yeah. so he he i was his coach for for that time um and he then went it was a weird family dynamic for him um and i feel weird talking about him and his family when he's not here to talk for himself so we'll make it brief but um his family was splitting time between washington and Kelowna, and was going to then fully move up to Kelowna so he could go to rink academy um, he spent 
this was his first season with Rank Academy. And he just went for the US the USA import WHL draft, went first overall first to Spokane. Overall. So now he's back he'll be back in Spokane, back in the Washington area, which will be nice for his family. Um and good for, good and good for him. If you didn't you didn't get to see him pers- I did not personally. Nope. Um but having coached him, um he was far and away the best player during that camp. Um and he was also just the most put together kid off the ice too. So he, well, he good was, for him. He was a very um, that's awesome. Very very humble, very modest, very appreciative, um, and a very put together kid. So um, uh, I I, son, I can't be happy happier for him. Good for him. Yeah, so I always um, like to see good guys have good things happen. Uh, Iggy's son Joe went in the top what ten of the WHL draft. I think. I believe so, yeah. A number of kids that were at that prospect showcase, though, went went yeah. the WHL draft. So I personally coached Brody Gillespie, but um, but a number of the kids from that showcase um, were taken in the in the draft. So good for them. It, it's yep. a testament to um, Okanagan hockey as and well as well as Rink Academy for sure. Um, so. So the long and short of it is I'm happy for Brody. Um, got to experience a lot of hockey while we were in BC. Um, it's good to be back in Colorado. Yep. Um, All good And here. a lot of, lot, of, lot of hockey to see here too. So. Yes, sir. Um, it's Not little, quite as much in the last, just since the last week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a funny guy. You take your shots, but Florida just knocked off Toronto. I know. So, I know. Yeah. Um, Leaf fans don't chirp much. Right after Leafs fans chanted, we want Florida, right? Yeah, right. Um, but so... Hey, it, the good news is they didn't get knocked out by Boston or Tampa this year. They, they got, got knocked, knocked out, out by, by somebody Panthers. else. Yeah. yeah. So, no, it's exciting. So that's kind of the update for us. And then um, we've got... We've got... Uh, what else do we got going on with everything? Uh, what do we have going on? Well, you're... There's severe blues going on around here because Avalanche and Leafs are both out of the playoffs. The Ducks, Ducks lost out, the Bedard. Which, missed out the Bedard sweepstakes. Did you, if you saw my text in the group text, um, there's some controversy around that. Oh, there's a ton of it. Given given league punishments and everything of different yeah. things with, with uh, Arizona losing picks for for pre-draft meetings and all this stuff, but Chicago covers up a sexual misconduct for over a decade and, and jump 13 spots to get the number one pick. Yeah. All kinds Conven- of people got fired conveniently. And this is the conspiracy thought, um, conveniently one season after losing Taves and Kane. Right. So, well, <laughs> so there's that aspect. And I don't, I don't put a lot of stock into controversy or controversy into conspiracies. Just, you know, especially when it comes to different sports and stuff because at the end of the day they, they compete on the ice at, you know yeah. all that stuff but the, there the but process, there's something to be said about the process something to be said about different it is things not Espe- transparent not transparent but it's also if you there's um right or wrong there's also the conspiracy going around that things are rigged because of it with For sure. with teams jumping spots to get the number one and yeah. all that stuff which to me just Money, t- money talks. Unfortunately, a lot more than I think we give it credit for. But 
it's unfortunate that that's the way it happens rather than just naturally happening. So I'll if it naturally, if it naturally happened, this is where I give a little stock to the claims that things are rigged a bit, just simply because even with the new, the new draft lottery of the past, how many years, logic and probability would dictate that your Anaheim's and your Arizona's and things just on mathematics would still get your top four picks, right? Anaheim, yeah. Arizona, Columbus, your top four. Whereas, whereas all of a sudden you get Chicago and who else in the years prior jumping from 13 all the way to one. Yep. Like it just, it doesn't, well, doesn't make sense. Ducks missed out on Bobby Ryan, on uh, Sid Crosby ended up with Bobby Ryan. Then they, now they miss out on Bedard. Uh, granted they won a cup in 07. So that's True. all lovely. But you know, when you look at the number one picks, it's largely favored by the Eastern teams, by the big market teams. And it's the, the thing that bothers me, I guess, the most, and I'm not, I'm not saying the fix is in. I'm just saying, like you said, logic and statistics are thrown out when this is going on. You spend 30 or 40 years selling hockey in non-hockey markets like L.A., San Jose, Nashville, Carolina, Florida, and Dallas, and Phoenix. And, and then they still, and you can't get them a, a top pick yeah. ever. So it, I, I don't get that. Chicago doesn't need help selling tickets. Well, and it, it, the Rangers, based on your, Toronto. based on your point, I will say this: if they're really, if that's how they're going to do it, then it makes you wonder why there's why they don't either relocate or put new teams in other areas and remove teams in Arizona. Because it's like, if you're not going to, if you're not going to let the the chips or in this, or in this sense, the lottery ping pong balls fall where they may, right. Then what's the point? You the, know what I mean? So now that's not, is, that's not to say that that's what the league is doing, right? This is no, all just speculation based on rumor and conspiracy, but we've covered this before the league has put, the league has put 20 to $30 million into the Phoenix franchise since the nineties. Mm-hmm. They've got a quarter to a half a billion dollars invested in that team that the, all the revenue sharing goes to prop them up. And Nobody else, like, I, I just don't get why you can't admit it's the wrong place to have a hockey team. It's a terrible building, a terrible location. It doesn't sell. When they get moved and they, if they build a new building and they get moved to wherever they're moving to, is maybe. It, is it potentially a CYA, safe face type of thing? Well, I think it's just, just like, be, Well, because, you know, we, we talk whenever anybody thinks, says anybody says anything about Bettman, for example, the, yeah. the talk is, well, you know, and they jump to the defense because, well, he's a businessman and he knows how to make money. He makes the owner's money. But you would, the, you would say that the experiment in Arizona doesn't do that. If the owners Now, I, can, I can, I can, I can, I'll defend, and this will be an exaggeration, but it's to make my point, I'll defend to my dying breath teams in Nashville or Carolina, just, you know, or different places like that, just because they're successful because they, you know, they sell tickets yep. and they, they're there. Arizona has been an experiment that hasn't done that. It's a failure. And, um, you it's, know, with the exception of, of being propped up by the league, you could say the same thing about the Florida Panthers. Correct. So it's kind of like, well, then what's the point? They just won't let them die. And they're both in terrible locations. But if uh, Bettman, uh, as smart as he is, he works for the owners. 
period. He doesn't work for the players. He doesn't work for the fans. He works for the owners. And if the owners came to him and said, we're done financing uh, this failed experiment in the desert, get them out of there. There's any number of places they could go, but you know, then you've got a then you've got a balance of east and west that you've got to look after, which they took you know a long time to correct. So I don't know. It's it's just odd to have it's odd to have that pick go to Chicago, which is where we started all this, yeah. because it was mathematically so improbable, and it creates right or wrong all of the conspiracy theories that this that the fix is in on this people were calling it before it ever happened and now they're saying see i told you so yeah right wrong or indifferent no so uh, anyway warm hockey podcast we're back what what are we titling this episode because i don't i don't think we can fully say it's episode 109 which is where we left off we left off with 108 a year ago i don't think we it's fair to say 109 because it's been a year or do we do that? Or do we basically do a reset and let this be be the fresh start? Wow, maybe one hundred eight A, one hundred eight A. I don't. I keep uh, the the recurring thought that I have is I forgot what all these buttons are for. So <laughs> yes. maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Anyway, warm the hockey podcast. Um, Penticton and Alberni Valley are in the BCHL final. Uh, they just got approved board of governors to be officially their own league. Like they're not even a part of Hockey Canada anymore. Like yeah. at first, last so. last off season, their step was we're not part of the CJ anymore. Right. Now they've taken a step further, and now they're not even part of Hockey Canada. <laughs> so now Hockey Canada doesn't govern the BCHL. So now they are officially stand on their own. Now what that means for financing, what that means for possible expansion or growth, what that means for anything like that, who knows? Um, but they are officially, 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 in more ways than one, stand on their own. Um, Penticton is, I, I, to me, and we'll touch on this real quick and then we'll move on, but to me, now that they've done this, they need to figure out a way to expand. And I would argue, and you and I have debated about this, about this aspect of it for, for several years, but I will argue that part of that expansion would need to be into the United States. Just yep. um, and, simply also because then it, it helps balance out if you do it, and this is overly simplistic, I know that, but it helps balance out recruiting as well. Um, because they play the gum in the ice. If you, wanna, if, if you don't like it, beat them. But Penticton now for two straight seasons has lost, I think, in two straight seasons, maybe six games, <laughs> and just completely dominated all the way through the playoffs in yeah. both years. And they're just, it's, it makes you wonder why I even go out and compete almost, right? Because it's just, they're so dominant. And so I know, I know this from the inside, and I don't think I'm saying anything out of school here, that even in the case of Penticton, who has by far the nicest building, by far the biggest attendance. Uh, by far the best record over the last 15 years or so, total dominance of the league year in and year out, they still struggle to break even. Yeah. So what a team has to do, you know, and that that's the city's fault. It's not the teams. It's oh, certainly no, no, not no. the fans. It's the least that the city has with them on that building is awful. But for a team like the Merritt Centennials or any of the other small market teams for them to continue to survive. It's junior. A lot of junior hockey is charity. 
Yeah. And the community props them up, the sponsors prop them up, the ticket sales and everything else props them up. And then at the end of the year, when they've lost thirty or forty thousand dollars, the owners have to go out either into the community or into their pockets and and get it back to square. That being said, that's the biggest reason there there can't be expansion until they figure out how to make sure that the guy you buy pay a bunch of money for an expansion franchise. And then every year you get the honor of doling out another pocket full of money to keep them alive. So that's part, part of the reason I argue for expansion. And I know it's, it's overly simplistic. I know there's a financial aspect that just makes it so complicated. And I respect that. Uh, part of the reason just in general on paper, overly simplistic, I argue for expansion too, is that um, kind of the argument with the NHL with this play in stuff that they're, they're talking uh-huh. about is in the BCHL, especially now, especially because they don't merge kind of the whole CJ and make it this one big epic league type yeah. of thing. Um, in the BCHL, and in any of them, the AJ, any of them, you have how many teams in the league, and all of them but maybe one or two make the playoffs. Right. So you can have um, you can have the worst season in league history, and with exception of being as abysmal as Merritt, you make the playoffs. So it's kind of one of those things where you can win four games all year and make the playoffs. So just just on paper from from an optics standpoint, I'd like to see an expansion in the BC for that reason alone, let alone several other reasons. But I know that there's there's a financial aspect, not just at Junior B, but Junior A, where there where so many teams, if not all of them, just never break even. They're always in the red. Um, That's just the nature of junior hockey. It just yeah. does not pay. There's too much expense. Um, unless a ben- unless a benefactor just came in and said, I'll that's... throw you a billion dollars to, to do whatever. But yeah. anyway, that's the BC. Uh, we'll touch on this in future episodes, but uh, NCAA. Um, one, one NCAA thing on, just did their sorry, national championship. One, one last thought on the BCHL. Leaving Hockey Canada means autonomy. Mm-hmm. So now they can govern themselves. Yep. They can contract, move, expand, yep. whatever they feel like doing. They don't have to send money to Hockey Canada. They don't have to ask for approval. I think it's a great move because the BC has always been the flagship of junior the CJ. A league yep. in the CJ. So good for them. I think it's a great move to get out from under the bureaucracy that is Hockey Canada. Agreed. Agreed. Anyway. Um, NCAA just had their national championship. Quinnipiac uh, won. Rob Brendamore's son played for, yeah. that, for that team that um, was fun it was fun um that was genuine speaking fun. of expansion there's always talk in the ncaa about new division one teams coming in uh, several time. years ago robert morris was removed um because the athletic director and all them decided they just weren't gonna have a hockey program that is now coming back next season so okay. they're coming back but again part of the issue and this is where a lot of the things come in with expansion that I've read and I've done my research on it part of the issue with the NCAA for new division 1 schools not only is money teams being willing to to fund it um, like St. Cloud for example they're not division 1 they declare division 1 each year so they come to the board of governors of the NCAA and they say we are division 1 and now they can play division 1 but they are not a division 1 school ah okay um but along that part of the problem is, is conferences too. Sounds like a, a distinction without a difference, but um, part of it is conferences too for travel. So you and get you get a lot of t- you know, like Air Force, for example, and I, it's just the simplest example. They're in the Atlantic Hockey Conference. Mm-hmm. Every school in that conference is an Eastern 
school. Right. So for Air Force to play any game outside of Colorado Springs, their travel is huge. Um, and that so, is so, and that and that's the trouble they're running. Like Alabama Huntsville was a Division One program. They've now not necessarily folded, but they've now put on pause because with the with the folding of the of what was the WCHA and now the CCHA, they were kind of excluded from from conference. So now they're they were kind of like, well, I'm not going into another conference because that just puts our travel out of whack. The travel so, expense is the biggest burden. It's the biggest burden in junior hockey. It's the biggest burden in the NC2A. So until it's, they figure out the con- until they figure out the conferences, I don't know how many expand how many new divisional programs you're going to have because they've got to figure out a way to not only not only have proper conferences but put the proper schools in those conferences. So you have your your Boston College, Boston University in Hockey East. You have DU and Air Force and CC and all them maybe in CC the CCHA yeah maybe and then you have a and then you create a new conference with with Hockey West right you have a Hockey East you have a Hockey West and then in that in Hockey West and we're leaving out a bunch of schools but my point is I think being made you have a Hockey West and you can have your Alaska your Arizona State right your you know, and all that stuff. So now, now Alaska is a big one too, travel wise. So now you've got a conference now where now they can go down the Western coast right? for, well, the, for the majority of their games all every year. And it's nothing more than what a five hour plane ride would be. Whereas it's, otherwise it's just, it, it's, it's just still so a difficult. lot. So and it's, but it's still very, a lot. Very so. problematic. But, but look, Prince George has had the same problems with mm-hmm. in the BC and in the WHL. Prince George has always been, you know, it's a 12 hour ride from every place. Mm-hmm. And that is the biggest yeah. financial hurdle in all of developmental hockey is, is travel, yeah. even down to, you know, midget and bantam. So, yeah. So anyway, um, so we got all that, um, Much and then we, and then there's the obvious, which is NHL playoffs. Um, <laughs> I'd be remiss before we start on kind of how things have been going and what where things stand as of the, our recording. Um, if we didn't start with the big elephant in the room, it has to be discussed, and that is the officiating. Um, it's a big, big thing. Um, big, big thing to the point where Wes McCauley got death threats. Oh, God. Um, after, during, during the Toronto-Tampa series. Um, I don't... Now, here's the deal. I stand where I stand. If you've heard me on both on recording and off recording you know where i stand with the officiating um however i do i never condone death threats um no at the end of the day the and and i want i want to part of the officiating discussion and i want to i want to put this to you because um without naming names and throwing people under the bus i've had discussions throughout the course of the playoffs with people in texts and anywhere else and they're just they they never listen they never comprehend and i think i told you about this off recording before um but i was having a discussion and we were talking about the officiating and i mentioned i can't remember can't remember what the scenario or the game was or anything where where i got a text and then my response to the text and it was in a group message my response to the text was basically acknowledging and pointing out the issues with the officiating. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, I said, you can't ignore it anymore. It's right in front of us. It's why 
It's why Kale McCarr gets suspended for a shoulder-to-shoulder check. Late, interference, but gets suspended for a shoulder-to-shoulder check. But Matt Dumba gets nothing. Felino gets nothing for his knee-on-knee. And and these things. And this this guy, he's got a hard-on for Dumba or Minnesota or something. He completely ignored what was said. Came at me for being biased. And... Wanted to start this big argument about well what what was what did Dumba do what was wrong with Dumba's this and that, and I finally I finally responded and I said I I didn't acknowledge being biased though if he's listening to this I'll it's the avalanche of course I'm biased but and and in that and in that vein in that breath we're all biased to whatever teams we like right um, but I said look don't come at me for being biased. If you're going to completely ignore what was said to jump to the defense of a player or a team, you're completely ignoring it. Like it's one thing to say, I did, I, you know, I didn't see anything wrong with Dumba's hit, but I acknowledge that there's some officiating issues. That's one thing. Sure. Cool. We all have our opinions. Awesome. He, he didn't do that. And so it's just kind of like, why are you in a, why are you in a hockey discussion if you can't have hockey discussions? And so it was just, we spent some time on this. Uh, with uh, my officiating friends, the Dumba hit was marginally late, wasn't late enough for uh, a major penalty, wasn't late enough for a match penalty or anything else, and it was not late enough for player safety to step in and correct it. The Makar hit was a perfectly clean hit, but the puck but it was, was laying in the lap of a fan. Yeah. It had gone over the net yep. and landed in, in the stand. So that was the only difference. No, I agree. But- now, it's part of what I said in the text to this guy, too. I said, look, the argument isn't whether or not suspensions were worthy. That's not the argument. The, what I said in the text was the argument is the blatant and obvious and borderline heinous inconsistencies. It's been... that. That's, that's the problem. It's, it's like tough. they're making it up as they go. And and that's the issue. It's not. It's not. It's, it's not, the consistency across the board to say that okay, Makar deserved a suspension for simply a late hit, but Dumba comes across blindside, late or not, and nobody touches him. It's it's the consistencies. That's all I'm arguing. Biased for Makar or not, the point is consistencies. Consistency is one thing on the ice. It's also. It's difficult for me to understand the player safety decisions. I thought the hit on on uh, Cogliano was really bad. Yeah, uh, and obviously broke his broke neck. Something in his neck. So and they he, never touched Eberle too. So yeah. it's so. it's one of those things. It's one, and that was a that was a blatant. Not a that wasn't a guy already committed to a check that was a guy who saw cogliano's numbers and just drove through him and so that was that was bad so then when you compare that to the mccarr suspension it's like where's where's the balance there here's and so that that my argument across the board to in in an attempt to give benefit of the doubt to human beings which is what officials are it's the consistencies Especially with so much, re- especially with so much reviews and stuff, the way to do it, you, it's hard to argue that you have the ability or the right to miss things at this point. I agree, and the officials, as you know, from talking with Jay Shares and 
and uh, Brad Lazarowicz and everything, you know they all they care about is getting it right. They're not going to make up penalties that aren't there. They're Unless not gonna, you're Tim Peel. Yeah. They're not going to, um, you know, they're not, they don't want to miss anything. The, the video review doesn't, not only does it not offend them, it helps them to ensure that they get it right, which they do nearly every time, at least with offside and most of the decisions. The problem becomes when you're, when you have to make in real time, which is incredibly fast, you have to make decisions when you may or may not have seen what exactly happened. And that's what getting the officials together and video review should be for. But if you want to fix all this without putting the burden back on video review or on the on ice officials on player safety, take out the instigator penalty. Yeah. Well, the instigator penalty, yeah. take that away. Yeah. You can fix all these problems in a few seconds, but a guy like Eberly or Dumba, if he's, if Eberly's wor- don't have to answer the yeah. bell. If Eberly's worried about, worried about McDermott coming across, right. going, coming at him because McDermott doesn't have to worry about an instigator penalty. I'm going to defend my guy. Maybe right. Eberly doesn't do that. Take the instigator um, out. Maybe, maybe the- Dumba doesn't fly around like a chicken with his head cut off. Right. Game in and game out. Not just the Pavelski stuff. I've always had a problem with the way Dumba plays. Like yep. it, he's, let's just, it, he's a thug on the, on skates. He's always played on the edge. He's a thug he's- on skates. And, and But if he has to worry in response, if he has to worry about now, all due respect to Dallas, who do they have that can really throw? Ben Ben is capable, but who do they have that can really who throw? Who does anybody have other than Ryan Reeves? Maybe Tom Wilson on his so, best day. But nonetheless, the point is if Dumba has to worry about a guy coming across at him for, for hitting Pavelski, maybe he thinks twice. Yeah. But the instigator penalty takes that out. The, the consistency thing that I'm pointing to as well, I can point to Maroon's hit from behind on Giordano. Yeah. Uh, the official was turned, and when you watch the replay, the official watched it happen and never flinched um brenda brendamore was interviewed about it um and he he basically said that because of all this one of the solutions would be remove one of the officials you don't need four officials plus all the reviews right put one of them in put one of them at the scores table or in the press box with a video machine with a headset right and let them review and it would take seconds. And then you only have three officials and it only takes seconds and all this stuff because you don't need four sets of eyes plus cameras plus all this stuff. If you if you've got four sets of eyes plus cameras but yet you're still going to you're still going to operate as if the four sets of eyes are what makes the decision, then remo- then you remove the the review. They're not going to do that because they're not going to go backwards. They've no, already committed but, to it. Okay, so that's a good idea. For the most part, and I, I have nothing but respect for Rod Brindmore. If you want to do it that way, instead of taking one of the on-ice officials away as for an expense issue, I mean, we're talking about a per-game expense of comparatively pennies to have an extra guy. The league and the officials association, they already have a supervisor in the building most nights. And they always have a supervisor in the building during the playoffs. It's simple. So when the supervisor is in the building, he can be the one doing the video review. He's watching the game. He's watching the officials. He can he can be the one. He can he can be the fifth voice of the four guys on ice and have the supervisor do it. It doesn't cost any more money. It doesn't take any more time. It doesn't do anything except put one more check and balance in place. No. 
But nobody's asking me. No one knows. I better no. keep my phone charged. <laughs> There's nothing going. Yeah. Um, but it, it reminds me of that game, remember, early in, earlier in the year. It was Colorado and Minnesota, I believe. Um, and Greenway hit, I think it was Manson. And oh. Manson went down. And I, and I texted you. Yep. Because Manson went down. There was penalty. Or the, no, there wasn't. Because Manson went down, but then he got up. And the official actually came to the scorer's box on his mic and announced to the crowd that because there was no injury, there was no penalty. And I remember texting you going, what is the deal with that? And you asked one of your official friends. Yes. Um, I don't think it's out of line to mention this. We won't name names. Right. Um, and even he was like, that. I didn't understand that. All he had to do was say nothing. Yeah. But the, pro- <laughs> the problem with, with coming out on the microphone is now it becomes blatantly obvious that you're you're choosing when and how to make calls and and that doesn't that doesn't look good no so anyway that's enough of the official discussion i just wanted to put it out there because it's relevant there's some consistency issues and and all that stuff and there has been for years but it seems to really really be coming out this year in playoffs um as we transition to to the playoffs um i think it's hard to not say that there hasn't been a few surprises ha um, yeah. with Toronto winning a series for the first time in, since 2004, mm-hmm. um, making it to the second round. They were finally eliminated. Um, Boston losing. Boston losing the first round. Uh, the Rangers losing. Um, the Avalanche so, losing. The President's Trophy, reigning champs, one of the top teams in the league, top goaltender in the league, all out in the first two weeks. Huge surprise. And then you've got a lot of what I've seen more of this year than ever before is blowouts. Oh, Tuesday. you're seeing a lot of seven to twos, seven to ones. Yeah. All this and stuff then the, the next playoffs. night, the next night it's the other way around. It's, it's yeah. amazing. The, the number of five, one games, six, two games. And then a couple nights later, the other team puts it on you four to nothing or whatever. It's, yeah. it, it's just been amazing. You, you get used to seeing, a steady diet of three to two games in the playoffs. Over times, and there have been a lot of double overtimes. overtimes three but, two, yeah. And then these, then these guys, you know, they're putting touchdowns up, and it's it's something you don't see that much of. But no, no. Um, there are, you're, to your point, there are a lot of surprises. Some not so much. Yeah. Strike a blow for parity when Florida Panthers finally find their game. Yeah. After floundering around all season long and and being really mediocre. They got hot at the right time. I wish Brosky I wish gets hot. Yep. I wish my boys were still in it, but I will say for the game of hockey, seeing some fresh teams closing in on 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 the championship is nice. So you're you're you got um, it, and not necessarily fresh in terms of making the playoffs, but fresh in terms of going this deep. You got your Eastern Conference Finals set. So you got Florida and Carolina. Florida, Carolina. That's going to be um, fast and nasty. It's going to be a got, great series. You got Dallas. Seattle, Edmonton, and Vegas still in in the West. Right. Dallas, Dallas, is pending the anything seat. catastrophic, will will likely even if it takes seven, will likely close out Seattle. Yep. Um, Edmonton's playing well. It's hard to see them top Vegas though. So I I would I basically that's me saying my prediction for the Western Conference Final would be Dallas and Vegas. The surprise there. Isn't so much that Vegas, which is a very, very well built team, and you know Cassidy's a tremendous coach. That's a that's a heck of a roster, and he's a tremendous coach. 
the surprise is that Edmonton hasn't consistently solved the goaltending problem in Vegas. And they are, I mean, they're, they're using Aiden Hill. They were using the kid. I mean, they've been all over the map with goaltending, and Edmonton still can't beat them. So hats off to the defensive efforts uh, of all five guys on the ice and the coaching staff for making that possible to win with extremely mediocre goaltending. Here's a question for you. When, if at all, and this is pure speculation and, and guess, do we see if Edmonton drops to Vegas, do we see big, big changes in Edmonton? At some I don't point, think so. at some point, and I ask this partly just rhetorically, partly just for discussion for discussion's sake, but um, how long do you do you ride McDavid and Drysaddle as your as your guys that can lead you there and continually either miss the playoffs or get bounced before something big changes? Now, obviously, I'm not necessarily saying those big changes are Drysaddle and McDavid moving on, um, though. Like any big name player, at some point, if you don't win, you're gonna want change. Um, but was what it- I'm talking about is big blow up to where where you blow it up around them. And you start doing rebuild process around McDavid and Drysaddle um, to basically do it maybe properly, and then f- in five years you see Edmonton as Cup champions type of thing. I don't, I don't see big changes in Edmonton coming anytime soon because Kenny Holland is only in his what second year in in the GM's chair, second or third, yeah, and they already added. They already added some significant pieces. They've got a healthy Vander Kane who is finding a home. They've got they added uh, Eckholm from Nashville on defense. Their uh, Evan Bouchard has started to become offensively anyway a very forceful defenseman. His the game in his own end needs some help, but they're they've been they've been shored up since Holland got there. I don't know how he's done it versus the cap. But he's done a lot of shoring up that roster. So I see them, if they don't get the conference final this year, certainly you know being one of the best two or three teams in the West for the next few years, which will keep the fan base and the core players happy. Well, they got the conference final last year at, and lost to Colorado. Right. So losing to, nobody hangs their head losing to the eventual champ. If they're, if they're getting... If they're getting thumped in the first round by a team that then gets swept in the next round, then yeah, everybody gets a little nervous. First of all, McDavid and Drysidle are too expensive basically to go anywhere except where they are. Uh, nobody can take on that money. They can't leave for the next couple of years because they're still restricted. And there are just no comparables when it comes to an offer sheet. So I don't see anything big changing there. Where I am curious, because I'm a little closer to that action, is in Toronto. Another playoff failure, another pretty resounding donkey kick in the playoffs again this year. What what are they going to do with that core group? They've got guys, they got Matthews and Nylander both coming up at the end of their RFA deals next year. How are they going to fit anybody in the cap? How are they going to hang on to those guys? And do they want to? This These changes could come down starting with Shanahan and and Dubas. Another Sheldon big, Keefe. Yeah. 
are they going to, they could clean out the front office for all we know. Yeah. Another big question mark will be in New York. Because um, they kind of went, they went all in. Yeah. They, and and now this, again, this points to a team of all-stars as opposed to a team. Right. Um, you look at Seattle, for example, and they're playing like a well-oiled team. Yeah. Even if they get they bounced are. by Dallas, they're getting, they're being, they're playing like a well-oiled team. Mm-hmm. You look at Carolina, they're, they're meshing well. Uh, Colorado of last year. Um these different things, and then you look at New York, and they they went out and they just got a bunch of superstars, and then it never it never never meshed. No. Um, so it was kind of an NBA team out there, and when you do that with a in a team game like like hockey, it's just not going to mesh. No. Um, but the, as a result, though, the question mark will be cap wise, Shesterkin, you got Truba, you've got Kreider, you got Fox, you've got Panarin, you've got Kane, Tarasenko, Zbenejad, on down. Like these are all guys that that would be first or second line center, nine million dollar guy on a separate team. And now you got all of them on one team, so that's going to create a big off season question for them on yeah, what they try they and do. That that math does not work. There's nobody's calculator makes Tarasenko and Pat Kane stay on that roster. Um, Plus so, the fact that they didn't show up. Neither one of them showed up in the playoffs. No. So, so um, the core group there will probably stick around. Panarin, Kreider, Zibanejad, Fox. Yeah. They got, they've got good pieces and, and a great goaltender. I am such a fan of Gerard Gallant. He I was hate removed, to see though. this happen. I know it. Um, speaking I, I hate of, to see it. Speaking of coaching changes, Sutter out in Calgary. Yeah. yeah um, there, was some, there was some mesh issues, though, with Huberdeau and, and – and some of the players with with Sutter, though. Um, Let me so for everybody, anybody listening who may not be familiar with the situation, Sutter is a great coach. He's an old school coach, but he's a proven winner. But he's a north south guy. He was great in L.A. because that was a that was a big north south team. They had Toffoli and Carter and and uh, Kopitar, and they were just a they were a straight north and south team and he coaches with extremely well huberdo is not a north south player no he just isn't johnny gaudreau wasn't matt kachuk was but he didn't like playing in calgary so all this you know and we covered that regarding the COVID issues but uh this is why it's not just that this guy doesn't know how to coach or that guy doesn't know how to play to your point earlier New York did not have a team that ever that where the gears meshed. They they were just out of sync all the time. They didn't get timely play from all their main guys at, at the same time. They just. Well, this is a, this is part of my this is part of my fit. it's part of my issue when I when I have conversations and this is not to be an elitist in any kind of way or or feel that I know more than others. Um, but this is part of my my personal issue that I battle internally when I have conversations with people that really don't know the game. All they know is I'm a fan, right? <laughs> right. Um, because what they see is they see they see the big name big names going to a place like New York, and look at all the big names. How could they not? And then they lose, and then it's oh my gosh, how'd that happen? And then when you try and explain to them how it happened, like you and I are discussing right now, it kind of goes over their head. Like what? Because all they see is big name scorers, and they can't begin to fathom why that didn't 
connect with a, a series win or a Stanley Cup. Um, it, and and what it, what it stems from is people that are either either they don't know or it's a combination of not knowing and kind of being blinded to to the way the NBA runs things and <laughs> and not seriously and then and yeah. not not putting two and two together that in a team game like hockey it's it's more than just having a LeBron James and a and a Steph Curry on the same team right. it's you know what I mean like it's got you've got to mesh a little bit and and so that's the beauty of a hard salary cap which hockey's the only one that has it mm-hmm. it means you 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 don't have your super teams and now there's actually some strategy to how you build a roster and how you do things and but it 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 meshes and it meshes in a way that's also you have to mesh with the coach as well and so I, and this, this is this is this is not speculation this is not our opinion this i can say as confidently this is fact because you and i know the game and it's it's been fact for throughout the history of the game and you can look back to to um Colorado in 2013 and things like that with Patty Waugh. You, you Colorado wins the Central Division and bounces in the first round by Minnesota, and then in subsequent seasons after that, Patty Waugh and the players had some issues, you know, because Waugh couldn't figure out if he was a an old school coach or a players coach, and the bouncing back and forth of that, and it became kind of an issue and when that happens the coach loses the room and then and that's it um again talking about consistency right right so in that regard it's one of those things where i think in like in calgary i think they wanted kachuk out because he didn't want to be there um whether it was because they just couldn't figure out how to win or he just didn't like it or covid this or whatever that the point is he didn't want to be there so you you meet him halfway. You acknowledge that. You give him what he asks for. You give him a trade. Well, in response, the tr- the trade um, return could really only be a, on a Huberto level. Now, I'm yeah. not I'm not necessarily saying Kajuk is that level of player. Like no, I, but but the return could only be that. The problem, though, is that when you do that, and I'm armchair GMing here because I'm. Not, nor do I ever see myself ever being an NHL GM. But the problem with that, though, was that to get Kachuk out, you you took the return, but it's almost like Calgary didn't consider that the return would be the type of player that didn't match the style of Sutter's coaching. And as a result, that you are going to 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 there's going to be friction, and and it showed. And now all of a sudden, Sutter's out. So. Tree Living's out, Sutter's out. So it, you've now got questions in Calgary. As, as we circle back to the main point, you've got questions in Calgary. And you have had for several years, but you've got big questions in Calgary. Big questions in Toronto. Um, yeah. They finally got over the hump for the first round, but another disappointing playoff exit, <laughs> nonetheless. Um, so big questions there because, again, cap-wise, and I kind of had a discussion with our our friend in our personal group chat about hockey about what the cap's going to look like mm-hmm. um and everything I saw that. um so so there's big questions around the cap what if the the covid stuff can be balanced and repaid then the cap can go up about 4 million is what they said if it's not then it's only going to go up one and that's um, up to the players association because yeah. they have that big loan to pay back yeah so if they can get it paid off before basically by the off season mm-hmm. 
then you can see the cap jump by four. If not, then it's only going to jump by one. And so either way, though, four is not a lot when you look at a, a certain <laughs> rosters. So um, Toronto's got Marner and Matthews and Tavares and Nylander and, I mean, O'Reilly and yeah. go down the list. Uh, so there's big questions there. Um, you know, I, I, let me let me say one thing about your your comment on meshing and, and being in the in the armchair GM role. What the hard cap has done has made GMs like anybody can anybody can spot a top six guy. What GMs spend a lot of their energy and time on is scouting and and defining what their third and fourth lines and their third third pair on defense are going to look like because that's where the playoffs separate the great teams from the good teams is on the bottom half of the roster. And so now guys have to manage, find and manage the league mini guys, that the, the eight and 10 minute guys that, that are making 750 or a million or a million and a half, a, a paltry million and a half now gets you a guy that spends a lot of time in the press box. So GMs have to spend uh, an inordinate amount of energy making sure that that depth is in place. Yep. And it makes it more interesting because you don't have to, nobody has to look for Matthews and Marner and, and McDavid and McKinnon, guys like that. It's the, it's the plumbers that you got to find. So I, O'Reilly has said he wants to stay in Toronto. Yeah. I don't see how they do that though. Not unless he takes a major unfortunately, haircut. He, he either takes a major haircut or you balance a smaller haircut with a trade of Nylander or something like that to yeah. free up this, the space. Um, but again, there's still decisions around other free agents that are maybe lesser known to fill out your roster that you've got to you got to contend with as well. Um, Vancouver Canucks, um, they hold the number eleven pick, but there's rumor they could trade that. Yeah, outside we'll, we'll of the top what, five, it gets pretty we'll see what jumbled there. Vancouver's got some question marks though, and this is where this I, and me personally, and you know me, I put a lot of stock into the type of of player that's in the room. Of course. Off the ice. Yep. It's one of the reasons why um, it was great to be um, the coach of Brody Gillespie. It was great to be on the ice with him, but I was majorly impressed with him when we got off the ice and we were in the room. Um, even if it was just a prospect camp, um, the way he handled himself and carried himself, um, it's why I said in my post on social media that that if you know him or got to know him at all, him being, him being first overall in the WHL draft is not surprising news yeah. when you when you combine everything. Um, so I put a lot of stock in that. Um, It'll be fun to follow. Vancouver to me has got some of those issues with a J, with a JT Miller. Um, he's got kind of that rough edges in that regard. Um, Did they apparently the same kind of issues? I don't know what the deal is with Bo Horvat. I don't get Bo Horvat. Dynamic player. Bo Horvat to me was a guy. was a Landeskog guy that you lock up, but yeah. they chose that was apparently they both have rough edges, but apparently they chose JT Miller over Horvat. Yeah, had to. Um, so there, it, it, couldn't it, it creates the question there of what 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 are we not seeing behind the scenes? Yeah. Uh, New Jersey's got some questions. Um, I'll run through some rumors here. New Jersey's got some questions, um, but I think it's obvious their their top priorities in the offseason will be the contracts of Timo Meyer and Jesper Bratt, um, and yeah. and what the subsequent results of those will do to the rest of your roster and your offseason plans. Um, what else we got? How about um, Keith Jones in Philadelphia? Yeah. I thought that was a that was an interesting hire, and let me just say and, and Danny Briere about 
And Briere stays. Briere um, stares, stays despite the issues with his son. Right. I don't. I, I haven't paid much attention to what he has been doing other than he, trying to learn. But the and I know that the president role, which is where Jonesy stepped in, it's it's more of a business role than a than a hockey ops type of role. He's not going to be managing the scouting staff. He's not going to be managing anything. Basically, is a and and this is no offense to anybody who's the president of a team. Certainly. Uh, no disrespect to anyone in that role. It's vitally important, but he's managing the business. He's man- managing sponsors and season ticket holders and suite holders and the major revenue and the business end. But Jones is, if you don't, if you're not familiar with Keith Jones, he's one of the funniest guys that's ever been around the game. And there are thousands of them that are hilarious, but he is one of the best. So, yeah. Best of luck to him and 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 to Danny Briere. I got no axe to grind with him. Certainly have a couple of problems with uh, with his son, but that could that could happen to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, plus, you'd like to see Philly kind of come back to being a little competitive. Yeah, a it's little a bit. proud franchise um, and very proud franchise. Um, run through a few more rumors here. We'll touch on some of them. Um, Don Sweeney said that he won't be returning with the same team next year. <laughs> okay, uh, so big changes coming. I hadn't there. heard that. Okay. Um, Big, big changes coming there, apparently. Um, basically, on what I'm reading, and I'm reading some of these rumors in different articles, um, if Bergeron and Krejci were to come back next season um, and give the Bruins a deal, maybe two and a half combined, right? Um, it would really help their issues. Um, Taylor Hall is a $6 million salary um, for two more years. Um, so you might see him moved to free up space. Right. Um, Pretty expensive third line. Matt Grizzlick could be another candidate. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you got some questions about what you do with your goaltending. Do you sign Jeremy Swayman? Um, do you move Allmark? Do you you know what do you do there? Right. Um, and then you get into and 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 before we touch on on them, I do want to I do want to ask this. I know in our personal group chat discussions, um, at least one of our fellow friends and and Avs fans. Um, he's not a big fan of Curtis McDermott, <laughs> um, amongst other things. Now, part of me, because I also have, have gotten to know him, and I, again, for the sake, because he's not here and I haven't asked, I won't use our friend's name, but because I've gotten to know him over the years and different things like that, I like to think part of it is just his passionate emotions kind of emoting a little bit. Yeah, um, that is. But he also has said he doesn't like Evan Rodriguez, which I'm a big fan of Erod. I'd love to see him re-signed um, personally. Sorry to our friend who, if he's listening, but that's... He also I, doesn't care much for our uh, our pal from Newfoundland. Newhook. Yeah. I like Newhook. If you put if you put Newhook in the right situation... And here's the thing, and this is kind of what I mean, and it's no, and, it, and that is in in purely hockey terms if you put these players in the right scenario you you fall in love with Alex Newhook the way he the way he skates the way he plays you can fall in he's love with him he's too young to give up on he and he's too young to give up on way too young to give up on he's got the potential there i love Tyson Jost but he's got more potential than Tyson Jost he's a, i think Tyson Jost came in and and was hyped as a guy who could be a, a center iceman that you really count on didn't really love up to it i think partly because love Tyson but partly because i think Tyson kind of reached his ceiling in yeah. in North Dakota 
Uh, he lit it up in North Dakota, but like you see with the number of players, I think that was his ceiling. Love, t- love Josty, but yep. uh, and I wish him all the best in Buffalo or wherever he ends up. But I think he reached his ceiling. New Hook, I think it's one. I think it's too early to say he's reached his ceiling, but Correct. two, whether or not he has, but two, he's to me he's just too young to give up on. He's a better all around build, player. Build, build a team around and put him in the right situation. And I think it could really pay off. His his. His translation is probably second line center on his best day if he continues to develop, or he'll be an easy third line center, yeah. and he can play the wing. Yeah. But I I keep telling these guys the same thing: he is a better player at this age than Nazem Kadri was at the same age. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have the edge of Kadri, and he doesn't play with the same kind of nastiness that Kadri did. But he's a better all around player in both ends of the ice than. And Naz was when he was the same age at 22, 23. So anyway, anyway, the point I was making is based on our, our friend and based on different things. Um, do you think one of the mistakes in the first round for Colorado was that McDermott was not in the lineup simply from a big, simply from a big body physical standpoint, a guy that can be that intimidating factor um, instigator or not. To maybe maybe don't run at Cogliano. Yeah, I maybe don't maybe don't do these things because Dermy will Dermy will be on the the next shift, and if if Everly doesn't respond or Everly this and that, McDermott will run at Schwartz. Yeah, yeah, McDermott will run exactly. at, at um, Beniers. You know whatever. And so I just from that optic standpoint was one of the was one or an energy standpoint was. Do you think maybe a mistake was that McDermott was not used more often? I I would have, at least in that Seattle series, I would have, after game one and getting pushed around, I would have dressed 7 and 11 yeah. instead of 12 and 6. So I would have put him on defense, and he can even go up on the wing, as we've seen. Yeah. So he could be... He could be slotted in wherever you need him. If somebody got hurt, somebody gets a major penalty, he can he can play anywhere you need, or he can just sit there, yeah. keep his legs warm enough, and keep his <laughs> keep the yeah. WD forty on his gloves so they slide off in a hurry. Yeah. But I would definitely have had him in the lineup someplace. Their bench was short enough at forward that they they don't need twelve. Yeah. So I you're absolutely yeah. so, right. I'd put him in. Um, with that, with that, while we're on the Avalanche, they've got uh, Landy out for another full season. Yeah. That's been announced. Um, Tough break for him. The Great type kid. of surgery that Mark Mathot had, and Mathot said he never was able to never return. So I'm, I love Landy, and I love the Avs. So I'm a little nervous about what the future looks like for him. Yeah. But um, with the shape that Landy's in, I think he's got a little edge on Mathot in his ability to to return to NHL NHL status. Um, but again, to me, that was a big mistake by the front office for not LTIRing him last season. I um, agree you, you, you knew you knew in cuz the projection was that he was going to be ready to play in January. So you knew in January that he was done all for the rest of the year. Yep. And it took him personally coming out in a press conference prior to the playoffs saying I'm done. Right. For like I don't buy that. It's like McKinnon said, Landy didn't just wake up one morning and decide I'm hanging it up for the no. year. So you knew, and they didn't LTIR him. They didn't do these things. And now I'm not an advocate for, for just doing things for the sake of doing it. It's got to be the right fit for the organization, the right, you know, all that stuff. But they didn't LTIR him, and at least 
open up that seven million space to at least have the option, and they didn't do that. I think I don't that was get a, that. I think that was a mistake by McFarlane and Sackick. Um, so I'm curious to see how they respond to that now that they now that you can't ignore it anymore. He's done for the, for the next year. Um, so, so you have that money, seven million. You have that seven million. You, you lose got, EJ. You got EJ's EJ six, six million. Now whether he resigns or not. You can resign him for a league minimum one year. He's so the, uh, he's so, not going anywhere. He's going to stay here and he'll play for less. I, he'll, I, play I, for he'll either play for less or I see EJ being the type of guy who who does what he needs to to retire here. Yep. And if that's playing for and less, nonetheless, you free up his six million. Mm-hmm. So just on simple math terms, a thirteen million. Yep. Then you um, you lose some of your other UFAs. You know, if you don't resign Cogliano, um, at Lars Eller, you know things like that. So you're now at like. 15 million and trade Gerard get him out um, I'm an advocate for getting him out one because you've got so many defensemen of similar style but two Gerard's proven to kind of be the liability on the back end the past few years um, with, a, with a lot of mistakes and a lot of, he's not a really not a, a thinker playoff guy um, he's a good puck mover but he's not a playoff guy yeah. so if so he, that frees up just simple math terms, 16, 17 million. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, and then that's not even including what happens with Nachushkin with everything going on with him. Yeah. That's so a 7 million, another 7 million. So you could be in the 20 to $25 million range of real actual money to spend. Yeah. It could be a very interesting off season. I, let's say from the practicality standpoint, you definitely LTIR Landy for another year. Kucherov rule him, pray that he comes back. Great kid, but he's out for next year. EJ, sign him for a million. He'll stick around. Sam Gerard for a conditional pick. It's all you're going to get. So dump his salary. At least salary dump his salary. For re- a conditional pick. Resign Erod. You can get Erod for two million. Yeah. Two and a half. Resign him. Do you resign Jack Johnson You've from a leadership it. standpoint? Yeah. Because that's but a league minimum. A you can guy. put him there. And And now you've got Byram money to spend new hook money free agent money to spend you can shore that roster up for the long term to support mckinnon and rantanen and And mccarr mccarr Um, so definitely some names coming out for second line replacements for not only landy but to fill the second line um kevin hayes yeah uh elias lindholm yeah um they've got kuznetsov listed here um to me to me kuznetsov and here's where, where i'll say with kuznetsov what you do with Kuznetsov, if you even make a run at him, will depend on the solution of the Nichushkin thing. Because how do you optically have how do you optically have the Nichushkin problem right. and say Nichushkin's gone? Just we don't know that yet, but just say. But then you sign and bring in a guy who has had his own off ice drug this whatever that issue yeah. in Kuznetsov. So optically, I don't think that looks good. But his name's listed. Uh, Nick Schmaltz. Um, Adam Henrique. I like Henrique a lot. He's an extremely serviceable guy. And I, there's um, Jack Roslevic they have listed here. Pierre-Luc Dubois is available Dubois. too. He's not going back to Winnipeg. I yeah. I would be v- willing to guarantee he is not going to Winnipeg. Um, their question too, money-wise, is if all, with all that money, if it happens that way, um, is Comfort a guy you resign? I really like him. He's so, and he's he, so he useful. filled that second line center as best as anybody. Yeah, he's not going to give you the big numbers on the score sheet, but he's but serviceable he's so and, he's, solid. and he's solid. Yeah. Um, and then there's Ryan O'Reilly. You never know. Um, 
So anyway, so that's the yeah, as to wrap. We're gonna wrap things up here real quick, um, but um, just quick hit on a few other few other quick rumors as we we close out. Uh, rumors: Patty Wall is coming back to an NHL bench. I, that's just the rumor. Yeah. I I what. It, it won't be in Colorado because they just re re upped Bednar for three more years. So it won't be in Colorado. So in that regard, um, which good decision, why he's not a Jack Adams candidate, especially yeah. this year if their injuries are not, I don't know, but nonetheless. <laughs> um, and then you, then you've got here, here's the, here's the big, big question mark for me and it, and not big, big to outweigh other players or other teams, but another big question mark, Winnipeg. Right. Um, huge. They got, they got taken bent over the coals by bonus after the, after the, they were eliminated, which to the Patrick Waugh stuff with how he did things, I don't think is the right way to do it. Like Wheeler said, close the door and have a conversation with the boys to the media is not the the right place. Um, but big question marks with, with Winnipeg because they, they, they seem to either because in January they were in first place. Yeah. Then they fell to the second wild card. And then they just didn't have it, and were bounced in the first round. And that seems to be their trend. And so, and at what at what point? At what point? You know, I, I I put out that question in for Edmonton. I think it applies even more to Winnipeg. At what point do you kind of go? This isn't working. It's, so you you move Wheeler, you move Shifley for for assets. You do these things, and you blow it up, you and you just do it up, it up. Yeah. like because it's something something's not connecting. They've had how many coaches? They've done all the like something's not hitting. So. Winnipeg's another question. So, anyway, um, a lot to cover. <laughs> Always. A lot co- to kind of cover, especially after a year. Um, I'm sure we could have done more, but um, we've been going for over an hour. Um, and personal lives, you've got some errands to run. Um, I've got a kid to put down for a nap. Um, all that stuff. Well, so I want to thank everybody listening. We've gotten a lot of uh, a lot of requests in the last few months. Where are you guys? When are you coming back? So yeah. thanks for all that. We uh, we appreciate your loyalty and and uh, make sure you keep in touch with us. Good, bad, or indifferent. Yep. Just so um, feel free to get on social media and tell us how awesome we are. Yes, exactly. So um, like always, like we used to end it. Um, obviously, maybe. Kind of a reset, um, new way of things. Find a different way to close it. But uh, for this one, um, Instagram and Facebook, um, War of the Hockey Podcast on both. Um, you can follow us there. You can comment. You can send us messages. Um, and yeah, our first one and okay. first one in a, about either right on a year or just a little over a year. We are we are back. We're and back. We're going to be doing um, this constantly. I, we, we, we say we're back and then we always miss a, f- a few weeks at a time. <laughs> but um, we'll say we're back and we will we will put the effort in to try and do it at least once a, at least once a week, if not more, if sometimes less will happen. It's just the way it is. Um, as of right now, we're not paid to do this, so life kind of happens. Yeah, we have but, to work this in. But, um, yeah, so we're first one in a, in – about a year. I think I kind of went, kind of touched on everything, um, and then kind of caught up with the current state of playoffs, which is nice. And yeah, and of- and what here's what I want to do, and I, and as we move forward, I want to try and have more guests. Me too. And whether that's be nice. whether that's world of hockey guests yeah. like officiating friends or this coach or whatever that or it's just buddies yeah. you know um like our buddies in our group chat or anybody yeah. like that to just come in and kind of you know and I'll, I'll curse here just for the sake of it but shoot the shit and kind of <laughs> and all that stuff but just 
just have other people in yeah. is in general. Um, well, I, know I do because I do think, and I, I love doing it, but I do think for not only listeners, but I think for both of us, it can grow a little stale just being us two every single time. Well, we're all- every single week. It's just us two, and I, so I think it's it, it would be are- nice to add add some voices and add some thoughts to to things a little. I'm bit. sure people get tired of us being right all being the time. Right. That's part and of it. So they want to hear somebody else. Yes. So I, we, we can work <laughs> so on that. I, I, I do want to work on that. I do want to. I do want to try and, and do that. That's available. I do want to try and do that. Yeah, so let's do it. Um, whether it's our goaltending friend, um, we get or yeah, we'll, or just you know who who just adding another voice on a weekly or bi-weekly basis just to add a new kind of fresh voice to things I think is what I want to try and do now that we're on 108A and re, kind of resetting a little bit so um, well I'm looking forward to it so There's me lots too to see and, lots and, to see and talk about lots to yeah lots to hit on and, and speculate on and thanks for having um, me on big close to playoffs coming and then big off season so we're we're re- we're kind of jumping into it again with a reset right into busyness again so yep. um it'll be good go. lots to talk we got about the draft so. coming up oh my gosh yeah, it'll be good so um right. thanks for making the time anytime you and, want and um i know you say it all the time but you're you're done with everything else so you're <laughs> uh, you're free and clear nothing but time um but yeah, so I appreciate everybody and their patience and everything. If you're still with us and yeah, still listening, so in there. so if you if you haven't, sorry sorry to lose you, but um, if you're still here, we appreciate your patience and your time and and waiting for us. Um, so we're back and we're re- we're ready. Um, appreciate it. Uh, Worm the Hockey Podcast again. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram, and then um, yeah, Apple Podcasts and and then we'll, on Spotify as well. So see um, you on the radio. Yeah, and then we we've said this before a year ago and everything and we keep saying it but i do want to say that at some point as things settle and we get unpacked in the new house and do all this stuff at some point it would be nice to to learn and set up and and cameras to actually do a video version as well so hopefully if we we get on that um i won't say it is happening i'm learning my lesson with that but hopefully if we we can get that done we will have not only audio but video versions of the podcast for Gosh, i'm gonna have so. to work on uh, do i have to do my own makeup <laughs> or are we going to hire somebody? We'll see. Carly's around. So um, so I appreciate everybody for listening and, yeah, and your thanks, patience everyone. and everything. Um, appreciate um, you coming over and joining. And um, My pleasure. Now that we're in the same area, we don't have to be on Zoom with each other all the time. That's right. Um, done. Good to be back in Colorado. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Worm on social media and then on the audio platforms. And um, We'll see you next week. Yeah, we'll see you next week. Thanks, right. guys. Appreciate Cheers. it.